ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, thanks for joining me again on the No Higher Calling podcast. The topic that we're going to cover today, which is Be Someone's Elizabeth, has really been in my mind and on my heart for quite some time now. Um, It's just been on my long list of topics to cover one day. Um, But as I've been really praying through uh, what the Lord would have us to address in today's podcast episode, this is what the Lord kept bringing to my mind. And I'm so glad that He did because it has been such an encouragement to me to study this out, to think these truths through, and then to try to apply them to my life. Uh, So the topic, be someone's Elizabeth. What does that mean? Well, let me share a story with you uh, to let you know where it all started. And then we're going to do a little Bible study and talk about friendship today. So, goodness, probably a year ago, we were at a ministry workers meeting, um, and it was a ladies' session, and the pastor's wife was speaking at the time. And I don't really even remember what she spoke about, um, but she shared something about a, a friendship that she had with another lady, how she was really just trying to reach out and encourage her in a difficult season, and that she had received a card from her, uh, from this lady that she was seeking to encourage. The pastor's wife had received a card from her and at the end of the card at the bottom of the card she wrote you are my elizabeth and she was talking about elizabeth uh, the cousin of mary and so the pastor's wife unpacked that a little bit about what she meant by that and really how that uh, challenged her as being the recipient of a comment like that um to really think through, am I being an Elizabeth to those that are in my life? I mean, it was such an encouragement that the pastor's wife had that kind of testimony and was known for that. And the Lord has really used that in my own heart and life as I have thought about the topic of friendship. So what does it mean when she said to be somebody's Elizabeth? What did it mean when it said at the bottom of that card, you are my Elizabeth? Well, we're going to look into this relationship that Elizabeth and Mary shared. And I think as we kind of do a little deep dive into some of this, uh, the Lord will make clear here what it means to be someone's Elizabeth. And I hope that at the end of this episode that we all leave challenged to be an Elizabeth to someone. But let's start first uh, with the Bible. We are going to start with Luke 1, verses 39 through 56. So a little bit of a lengthy passage here. Um, So just hang in there with me as I read through these verses. Luke 1, uh, starting in verse 39. It says, And Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice, and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come 
come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord." And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation, and hath showed his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. This is such a beautiful story, uh, really in the very, very beginning of the story of Jesus Christ as the God-man. And as we look at this relationship between Elizabeth and Mary, I want us to stop and think, what qualities do you value in a trusted friend? If you have a trusted friend, a kindred spirit, a best friend, whatever you want to call it, why are they so special to you? What qualities do do you value in them um, that make them more than an acquaintance, more than kind of just a a fringe level friend? Um, And then ask yourself, as you are trying to be a friend to other people, uh, what qualities do you think that they see in you that they value, that they are blessed by? And just kind of keep that question in mind as we look at Mary, as we look at Elizabeth, as we look at their friendship and the relationship that they share. Um, and let's just be challenged to be like Proverbs talks about, that iron sharpeneth iron friend. We want to be really as Christian women, we want to be um, more than just, you know, gal pals that have the night out occasionally, or, you know, um, the girl groups that just get together and, you know, talk about our husbands and our problems and our kids and and whatever, Um, or, you know, uh, that might gossip about other people. We don't want to be that kind of friend. We don't want to have those kind of friends. Um, It is my prayer for my life, and and I hope for you as well, that as Christian women who are seeking to become more like Christ in all aspects of our life, um, that in this area of the friendships that we have with other women, that we are seeking to be a Christ-like friend, uh, a friend like Jesus was to his disciples, to those that he met, a friend that is always pointing others to Christ, always encouraging them in their walk with the Lord. And that's really what we see here with Elizabeth and how she greatly encouraged Mary. So let's just talk through this story a little bit here. Uh, Maybe you're new to this and you're not familiar with this story, or maybe you've heard it a thousand times. I know it tends to come up a lot at Christmas time. We're far from that. Um, But let's just talk about this a little bit. Okay, so we first meet Mary's cousin Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah. So they are 
old. They're an older couple. Elizabeth is far past years of bearing children. Um, and, and for years they dealt with infertility. You could see that it was on their heart to have a baby. They wanted to have a child. Um, and they were a godly couple. And, and I think sometimes, I mean, I see Christian couples who not only just desire a child for the sake of having a child, but they really desire that opportunity to uh, raise a child for Christ. Um, and the Lord, just in his infinite wisdom, chose for Zachariah and Elizabeth to, to battle infertility, to not have a child for all of these years. Time comes, seasons of life change. Here we find an elderly Elizabeth who has probably just totally dismissed the idea of the fact of ever being a mom. Uh, just accepting that that was not something that God had for her. And then one day her husband, Zechariah, who serves in the temple, who uh, is a is a, pro, is a priest there, uh, he's in there sacrificing to the Lord, communing with the Lord, and an angel shows up, the angel Gabriel. Gabriel speaks to him and promises Zechariah that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son. Um, now, Zechariah has his own, like, little reaction to that, uh, doubting uh, and questioning, and rightfully so. I mean, we tend to judge these Bible characters, um, but would you not question of what, Lord? How is this going to happen? We prayed all of these years and nothing, but now when it's impossible, that's when you step in. Well, God is the God of the impossible, and, and he delights in doing the impossible because he receives glory that is only due his name in those situations. Um, because of Zachariah's response, God told him, you will not be able to speak again until your son is born. Um, and so that happens. They have that encounter. Um, then... Gabriel makes another visit. He makes a visit to Mary. Um, and at the time, the people of Israel are looking for a Messiah. They are vigilant. They know the Old Testament promises. They are looking for really a king that can save them and redeem them. Uh, and, and Israel wasn't even looking necessarily in a spiritual sense. Yes, they wanted redemption uh, spiritually from the bondage of sin, um, but they really wanted it uh, in, in an earthly kingdom sense. That's why they were confused when Jesus came and did not set up his earthly kingdom. He did not come in as a king riding a horse with all the kingly things. They were confused. And we have to remember that his kingdom is not of this world. God had other things in mind. And it all starts in the humble virgin birth of Christ. The angel Gabriel shows up to this young girl from a just a poor, humble family in an insignificant town. Nothing really special about uh, this other than the fact that God highly favored Mary, that Mary was uh, known for her character. And when God looked, you know, God's outside of time, but when he looked at the timeline of history, looked at all of the women, he picked out Mary for a special reason. And then there's just a whole nother conversation there um, about how amazing that is and why Mary. But um, the God chose Mary to receive this visit from the angel, a visit that changed everything for her. So the Lord comes to her 
or, or this angel Gabriel comes to her, tells her, you are highly favored. God has chosen you. You are going to be the virgin mother of the Christ child. Um, and, and Mary just humbly submits, be it unto me according to thy word. Now, Mary was engaged at the time to Joseph. Joseph was a wonderful Christian man. They had not uh, come together sexually. So Mary was, you know, a little bit like, how can this be? I've never been with a man. Um, I'm trying to just work this out in my own mind. How can I have a baby? And uh, the the angel tells her, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. All of these details are going to be worked out. God's going to take care of it. Um, Just trust. Now, God taking care of it did not mean um, that all ridicule and all questioning and um, a stain on Mary's character was completely removed. I think Mary and Joseph lived with that really their entire lives. I mean, we even see people in Jesus's life as he's an adult uh, mocking him for his, you know, quote unquote, questionable beginning. We know the truth. Um, But we see here, even though Mary was probably not sure how this was going to work, and was concerned about what Joseph's response was going to be. She loved him. Um, she had kept herself pure for the husband that God had for her. God was bringing her and Joseph together. Um, I'm sure she was wondering what kind of impact that was going to have on this. Um, and, and all these different things that, I, as a woman, <laughs> you could imagine would be going through your mind if you were a young virgin girl and you were just told you're going to have a baby and you're supposed to be uh, getting married. Um, in, in, in the midst of all of that, we find Mary ru- making haste to go visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth was not like the next house over. This was about a 70 or 80 mile journey for Mary to take. Um, and, you know, in that time, they walked a lot. They traveled a lot by foot. Um, but but this is a big journey, like 70 or 80 miles. It's a long journey uh, for this girl to take. And, and I don't know, you know, the Bible doesn't give us all the details. It doesn't say that anybody else went with her. It appears as though Mary was by herself. But she made haste. And she went to Elizabeth. And you might wonder, why did she do that? Um, but again, Mary is trying to trust in the Lord. She's trying to, to process through what the angel has told her. Um, but, she, you know, she also is going to be facing the reality of sooner than later, it's going to be very evident that she is pregnant. And how is she going to explain this? And it it appears as I read this, that as Mary uh, was working all this out, was thinking through, was meditating on all that the angel had said, uh, was just in awe, really, that God had chosen her, um, that she made haste to go to one person. And, you know, I, I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Mary leaned on her mother's friendship, her mother's relationship. And and again, scripture doesn't give us all the details. I don't know, I don't know what that looked like um, for her. But we do clearly see that when Mary needed spiritual encouragement, she made haste to go to one person, and that was to Elizabeth. And their friendship is so, so beautiful because it says here that as soon as Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, that that her baby, which we know is going to be John, John the Baptist, leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And Elizabeth calls out with a loud voice. Now remember all that we've said. So here's young Mary, um, tired, 
processing through all of this, maybe trying to work through conversations in her mind of what am I going to say to Joseph? What am I going to say to my parents? What am I going to say to my friends? What am I going to say to family members on this journey, going through all of that? And I don't know what Mary's pregnancy was like, um, but knowing my early pregnancies, they're they're usually rough. You have exhaustion, you have nausea, you have sickness. Um, So Mary could have been experiencing these things. By the time she gets to Elizabeth, she's probably pretty worn out mentally, emotionally, uh, physically. But what is the first words that she hears from Elizabeth's mouth? Elizabeth calls out with a loud voice that says, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. How encouraging did that have to be to Mary to hear? Now it says, when the angel came, Mary made haste and went to Elizabeth. So I'm assuming at this point, it wasn't clearly obvious that Mary was pregnant. Um, Mail traveled different. You couldn't just shoot a text and say, hey, Elizabeth, I'm pregnant. I'm expecting the Lord. I'm going to come to you. Um, you know, I, it appears that Elizabeth did not have any forewarning of this, but but the Holy Ghost came upon Elizabeth and Elizabeth knew there's something different about Mary from the last time I saw her. She is expecting, and she's not just expecting any baby, but she is the mother of my Lord. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And you know, I you see here as Mary gives this joyful song, I can just, you know, in my mind, I, I'm picturing this that, you know, Mary hears that. And I have to think that that gives her this burst of energy. And she runs and falls into Elizabeth's embrace. And as they're hugging, Mary starts, maybe with tears, saying, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in the God of my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. And she continues on throughout there singing this joyful song. Um, But I just think that is a beautiful, beautiful testimony of the power that godly encouragement, godly counsel, the power of a friendship, of being a friend with someone who walks step in step with the Lord, who is filled with the Holy Ghost, the impact that 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 can have on a person, especially uh, in someone in that moment of need. We all have times in our lives where we need encouragement. We need... uh, Affirmation is the word that's coming to my mind. It's not the word I want to use, but for lack of a better word, maybe we need just a spiritual affirming of, you know, hey, this is this is where I think God's calling me. This is something that I think God is asking me to do. Um, and yeah, I'm a little unsure. I don't know how all the details are going to work out. I don't know how everybody's going to respond. But to have that spiritual friend that says, blessed are you, the one that is called of the Lord. To have that friend is just so, so sweet. And I have some of those friendships. And I am so thankful for them. I'm thankful for really all the friendships the Lord has given me. But the ones that are really my spiritual kindred close, close friends that I lean on for prayer requests, um, that I know that are praying for me, that I know that when I'm low, when I'm down, I can make haste to run to them and they will encourage me. And that may not be, you know, I may not take this 70 or 80 mile trek like Mary did. It may be a text. It may be a phone call, but I know, Hey, when I need spiritual encouragement, these are my go-tos. And I'll be honest, 
they may be fit on one hand. I don't think that this is a type of friendship that you're just going to have an over and abundance of. I mean, there's there's multiple reasons for that. Um, but one of them being is to be this kind of friend requires great sacrifice, personal sacrifice, um, and just putting yourself out there and trying to be a friend, trying to be an encouragement. You also, to be this type of encouragement, you have to be in tune. You have to be looking. You have to be paying attention. You have to be able to notice someone's countenance. Uh, you know, someone's, when is their heart heavy? How do you know if their heart's heavy? Have you been keeping up with them? Do you know what's going on in their family? Are you, are you staying in that fellowship? And then beyond that, it requires a level of personal devotion to the Lord. If you want to be this friend like Elizabeth, it requires that you spend time in God's word, spend time in prayer, spend time being filled with the Holy Spirit and and ministering to others through what he pours into your heart and life. When I read this, it was so natural for Elizabeth to, it it just came right out of her to be an encouragement, to be a blessing, to say words that would help hold up Mary's heart in the difficult days ahead. Um, But I I see that that comes from a woman who is anchored, who is rooted in her faith, who is living out a real faith with the Lord. Um, and, and, And so that's what it means. And when someone, when that lady said, you are my Elizabeth, that was a high, high compliment that she was paying to that pastor's wife. And ever since I've heard that, I so often am challenged in my own relationships and my own friendships. And I'm in this weird stage where I had sweet, sweet friendships that I had invested and poured myself into in the States. Um, and now here we are in Australia. Not that that meant that those friendships ended. Um, if anything, they've become more sweet because we have to be more intentional about connecting over the ocean. Um, I'm still thankful for those friendships, though they do look a little bit different. But being in a new place, I am in a season of trying to make new friends. Um, you know, and I've just, I've told my husband recently, it feels difficult. Uh, it, it, it can be a difficult, somewhat awkward spot to be the one, uh, you know, where you're you're in the make new friends stage. It's a little more easy to foster and to nurture established friendships, um, but when you're making new friends, you know, you ha- you have to be vulnerable. You have to let people see the real you, and that isn't always easy for us. Um, we have to be willing to let people in, and you know, in the stage of life that I'm in, and that probably many of you are in, that means that it's not going to be picture perfect. It it might be chaotic. If you're going to come over for a play date, I can't guarantee that my floors are going to be vacuumed and my dishes are out of the sink and there's not going to be, you know, crumbs of lunch all over the table. I really can't guarantee what you're going to see. Um, So it requires that vulnerability. It really requires some humility. Um, But having these friendships, having these Christ-like, deep, rich, spiritual friendships are so, so valuable for so many reasons, but really for this one here, there's going to come a time where all of us are going to need to be, have our faith helped 
by someone else. Um, and to, to have that friendship established, that communication established, that um, mutual iron sharpening iron friendship, um, it, it just sets you at a point where, hey, when that moment comes, when your alone moment comes, when you're struggling, you know, I'm going to make haste to get to this person and to be an encouragement to them. So let me just challenge you here to to be somebody's Elizabeth. Try to be that friend. Be willing to put in the personal devotion to Christ. Be willing to grow in your relationship with him so that you have something to give, so that you have something to offer. Um, And then beyond that, be willing to put in the personal sacrifice that is required to nurture friendships and just seek to be a blessing to someone else. And then as you're forming friendships, as you're vesting into the friendships that you may already have, really put your emphasis into those forming just even a handful of a few friendships where you have an Elizabeth that you can lean on, that you can cling to, that you can run to with haste when you need to be encouraged, when you need your spirit to be lifted, when you want to share the deepest, uh, most intimate workings of the Lord in your heart. Uh, Find a friend that will encourage that, will speak into that, and will help you in that. And it's just, it's so beautiful to have that kind of friendship. I want to wrap up this episode with just one more challenge, hitting friendship from a little bit different angle, but still the Elizabeth angle. Um, So my daughter and I, my oldest daughter and I, just finished reading the biography of Corrie ten Boom that was put out by the Christian Heroes Then and Now series, uh, which is by Janet and Jeff Benj. Um, Those are gold, absolute gold. I am going to try to buy all of them and put them in our family library because it's just, they're they're a wonderful resource. And it has been such a joy to me to be able to introduce my children to these great heroes of the faith and then to see them when they're out playing pretend and who do you want to be when you grow up. Um, It's not the celebrities. It's not the um, you know, movie stars of today. They want to be Gladys Allward. They want to be Corey Tim Boom. That that is so uh just brings so much joy to my mom heart. But anyway, we just finished reading Corey Ten Boom. Um, and two people really stood out to me in that book uh, more than, and I've read, I've read The Hiding Place. I've read several of Corey Ten Boom's other things. It wasn't my first encounter with her. I love her story and I love Corey. Don't get me wrong. She is a powerful, powerful woman. I mean, goodness, probably a hundred times the woman that I will ever be. Um, but two people really stood out that I just thought, wow, they're pretty amazing too, even though sometimes they might take a sub-character plot. Uh, and the first one is Corey's father. Man, that man was just a, a, a wealth of wisdom. It feels like every time he opens his mouth, just wisdom and truth and just solid conviction comes out. But I really want to focus on the other Elizabeth, and that is her sister, Betsy. Um, Everybody called her Betsy. I actually had to look up to make sure her name was Elizabeth, but because this episode is called Be Someone's Elizabeth, when I realized her name was Elizabeth too, I was like, we just got to roll with it so that, you know, it's just the two Elizabeths here. Um, But I want to talk about Betsy Ten Boom for a moment, because as I was reading through this, and as I was once again kind of reliving Corey Ten Boom's life, walking with her through some, some highs and some very, very low lows. 
as um, she really suffered in some of the worst concentration camps during the Holocaust, all because they were trying to be a help to God's chosen people, the Jews. Um, Betsy's testimony shined so brightly, especially at several points throughout the story, um, because there were several times in the story uh, of Corey Tim Boom that Corey's faith faltered. It wavered. She struggled. She could not see God in where they were. She could not find anything to be joyful about or hopeful about. Um, really, like... I mean, like all of us in in dark times, and you know, none of us to compare to what Corey Tim Boom went, hopefully. Um, but in these dark times, our soul can begin to kind of spiral into that despair. But you find Betsy being this quiet, just constant in the life of Corey. When Corey starts to spiral, uh, Betsy's there, just rock solid. And, you know, she was very sickly. She was very frail. All that they went through, she was just so, so thin and emaciated and and ill and always cold. And, you know, you, you find her physically so, so weak. At times in the story, and not even able to stand during their roll calls. Um, but... She has an inner strength that Corey was able to draw from. And, and I thought that was just so beautiful. And I had to mention that as we look at this, as we talk about being this kind of friend. Now, these were sisters, um, but sisters have a friendship as well. And I loved that Betsy was just that constant for Corey, that Corey could lean on, you know, Betsy had to lean on Corey for the physical strength, but Corey could lean on Betsy for the spiritual strength. Um, there's one part in the story where they are sent to these barracks, and they are packed with women. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but whatever like max capacity was, I think it was like eight times over that. I mean, women just wall to wall. Um, they had these kind of like bunk bed things, no mattresses. They were just wood, absolutely just miserable, uncomfortable, too many women in there, uh, just dirty and filthy. And on top of all of that, they get lice, which was just dreaded. You know, so you have all these women already stripped of so much of their dignity and honor, you know, shaving their heads with whatever sharp object they can find because of this lice problem. And Corey, again, in that, you know, beginning of despair, just why, why, Lord, of all things on top of this, why the lice? Um, and Betsy challenges her in everything. Give thanks. God has something in this for us. And you know what? God did. God did have something for them. Um, Corey was able to have a Bible smuggled into her. So they had God's word with them. And because their barracks was so bad, the prisoners of the concentration, or not the prisoners, uh, the like prison wardens of the concentration camp, the soldiers did not want to enter to check on the women like they did in other barracks. So because of that, the women were able to hold Bible studies. They were able to sing hymns. Corey and Betsy were able to minister the word of God to all of these women that were crammed in the barracks freely, like with nobody stopping them, with nobody interrupting them, uh, because these guards were too terrified to come into a place so uh, horrendous. And, you know, there, Bet Betsy found the silver lining. She found a reason to praise God. 
She found a reason to be thankful, even for the lice. But that's that's an example of time and time again of how Betsy just encourages Corey, encourages Corey, encourages Corey. At the very end of, of Betsy's life, really, um, Betsy's so ill. Corey's trying to do everything she can to get her better. Um, but Betsy starts taking, a, starts taking a turn for the worse. And so Betsy gets put in the hospital there. That 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 doesn't mean anything good. She actually just gets left on the table until she died. Um, but Betsy kind of has this dream about this home one day that they were going to have that they would be able to minister to other people. Long story short, Corey gets out of the concentration camp and she really feels like the Lord is impressing on her to start a home for people who are transitioning from being prisoners of war to everyday life. Because as you can only imagine, there's a huge, huge gap there where there was just this disconnect, so much PTSD and things that people, just to to have every moment of every day regulated and and not being able to make any decisions for yourself, being starved, being in such horrible working conditions and, and living conditions, and then to all of a sudden be free. There was this, this dearth there of need. And so Corey really felt like that the Lord was impressing on her heart to do that. Um, and so one detail led to the next. Anyway, Corey actually winds up being given this house that to a T fits the description that Betsy gave her of this house that they would have. It was just, it was amazing and miraculous to read that. And so faith building to read that to my daughter and see how God just is always previous and works out everything. But Corey was able to establish this post-war home for other concentration camp survivors to come and to recover from the horrors that they had escaped. And, you know, it was, it was really interesting too as Corey had to deal with all of that in her own heart and mind and life. As she is traveling around now as, uh, you know, just sharing God's word and just giving her life story all over the world, really, um, speaking this message of forgiveness. Corey comes face to face with that on her own. Can I forgive when... At the end of one of her meetings, someone came up to her to shake her hand to say how much they appreciated her talk. He did not recognize her, but she recognized him. And he was one of the guards in one of the concentration camps that was so um, just cruel to her and to her sister. And yet Corey had to make that decision in that moment. Am I going to practice what I preach? Am I really going to embrace forgiveness for all that it means? And God gave Corey the strength to open up her hand and to stick it out and to shake it. Um, but Corey, Corey had the opportunity to give that. And there was a quote that Betsy said so often that I thought was so beautiful. You know, as she established this uh, post-war home, people started realizing the need for that. Um, and so different opportunities opened up for her to start several more of those. One of them, um, someone came to her. They said, we want to start this. This is where we want to start it. And she realized that it was actually the place where they wanted to start the war home was a concentration, it had been a former concentration camp. Um, and, and Corey really staggered at that thought for a minute. Like, is this even possible? Can people find healing in a place where so much brokenness occurred? But a quote that Betsy was famous for saying came back to her and it had came back to her at so many different points and she gleaned strength from it. And it is this, it is that there is no pit so deep that God's love is not 
deeper still. Why do I say all that? What is the point in sharing all of this story in this context and this background of Elizabeth or of Betsy and Corey? It really hinges on that. Betsy told Corey again and again and again through all of this horrendous journey that the Lord had them on, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Betsy was a friend to Corey that had the spiritual fortitude to be an encouragement to Corey uh, in horrendous, awful circumstances herself. But she was able to minister and to encourage and to be a friend that her voice continued to ring in Corey's mind even long after Betsy had passed away challenging Corey to to be faithful, to to stick to the message of forgiveness, to show forth God's love in any way that he opens the opportunity. Um so I this is just how God's been working on my heart as I've really thought through this idea of just being someone else's Elizabeth. And so I just wanted to challenge you today with whoever God has put in your life to invest in, to pour your life in, uh, to be a friend to, I just want to challenge you to be their Elizabeth. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.